does it have to be that we're like outspoken and opinionated and really kind of obnoxious or silent? And I don't believe it does have to be one or the other. I believe that we can love God's thoughts and his ways and his words, which tenderizes our hearts. Mm. And then we can move into our world and we can interact um, in this contentious space in winsome ways that draw people to the Lord. Hey everyone, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome back to your go-to podcast for anyone that's craving fresh ways to apply God's word to your everyday life. You know, this whole year, we have been looking at how our ordinary and even messy moments can become platforms for the miraculous. And today is no exception with my special guest, Amy Carroll. Amy Carroll is a speaker and a writer for Proverbs 31 Ministries. She's the author of Breaking Up With Perfect and Exhale, as well as a director and coach of Next Step Coaching Services. As a woman who loves a great story and a challenging idea, co-hosting the Grit and Grace podcast has become one of her favorite things. Amy and her husband live in lovely Holly Springs, North Carolina, where you can find her on any given day, texting her two adult sons, typing away at her computer, or trying to figure out one more alternative to cooking dinner. Amen, sister. Can we all say amen? Join Amy at amycarroll.org, where she's developing tender hearts and strong voices, or find out more about her speaking coaching services at nextstepcoachingservices.com. Well, Amy, I am so honored and glad that you were with us today on the Make Life Matter podcast. Well, this is just so much fun, Angela. We've been connected for years now, and so this is a delight to get to spend time with you. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking, I have known you for a while. You've spoken to our women. I have personally worked with your coaching services, and and listen, if you're out there and you are looking to expand your speaker platform or sharing a devotional, she is just an amazing speaker coach and she was has been such a blessing to me and you endorsed my first book finding yes. joy when life is out of focus and you were my special guest on the launch of that book so there's just been a lot of neat moments that have connected us so i know you well i know your ministry at proverbs 31 your podcast i've read both of your books cover to cover underlined so much in breaking it with perfect i call myself a recovering perfectionist so yes <laughs> but for people who may may be meeting you for the first time tell us a little bit about you especially i know the ministry Uh, the direction your ministry has taken in the last little while here? Well, it's been an interesting shift in the past couple of years, and I guess it's kind of a couple of years in the making. I I say that I'm change resistant, and so God is so patient with me as as he kind of gently (laughs) pushes me out of the nest here. But for over a decade, I, I talked about being a reforming perfectionist, and 
and really focused in on how it damaged that perfectionism damaged my relationships and say so breaking up with perfect was about moving past perfectionism or trying to earn my own perfectionism into just allowing God and surrendering to God so he could do his perfecting work in me. And, and then I wrote exhale with Sherry, who's my podcasting uh, co-host or co-hosts and for grit and grace and that was such a joy. And now I'm working on a third book with my friend Lynn Cowell that ha- ha- we're praying for a contract. And, <laughs> and, um, and so it, but Sherry was the one that pointed out to me this trajectory that I've been on, that every book is kind of a sequel to the last one. And so God has really been moving me from focusing on perfectionism and, and breaking that hold of perfectionism into um, what Sherry and I is the last part of our subtitle, which we, the subtitle for exhale is lose who you're not, love who you are, live your one life well. And I know Mm. that meshes so well with your podcast, Mm. Angela, but in that process of living my one life well, God has showed me that I have allowed myself to be silenced by the noisy extremes. Hmm. That our culture has become so divided, so contentious, I would say mostly around politics. And, um, but it's been just exacerbated by social media and debate and social media. And I think uh, a loss of civility in our culture Hmm. uh, around social media. And that I'm, I'm one of these people, probably a lot like you, a lot like our listeners that I find myself that uh, I see different points of view. I don't necessarily, my opinions don't fall in the middle, but I don't necessarily want to be in the fray either in the Mm. middle of that battle. And so I don't speak at all. And God has really been convicting me that we are called as believers to use our voice in godly ways for him and our culture and in ways that display the fruits of the spirit instead of this battle that we see going on um, between extremes. Mm. That's so great. And I know your website is reflecting that tender hearts and strong voices. And right there, we can kind of see this, like you said, this tension between how can we maintain a tender heart and still speak with a strong voice. And I think even the world, the narrative of the world to us as women is somehow it's an either or proposition, right? You're either tender or passive or mild and you don't have a voice or you're strong and aggressive and assertive and brash. And I think we polarize those two concepts. So I love that you've linked these two together. So maybe lean into that. Talk a bit about that with us because I find that really um, just compelling, a compelling concept. And as a woman in the 21st century, I'm incredibly drawn to that message. Uh, well, I'm so thankful you said that because my ministry is primarily to to women. Occasionally, I get to speak to churches where where men are in the audience, and I always pray, you know, that I can say something that lands with them. But primarily, I feel, <laughs> I feel your pain. I feel your pain. <laughs> but I feel called to speak to women, and there is that tension, and the, you know, and we know that one of these, the the mild, the quiet 
usually receives approval and anybody, any woman that's considered brash or mouthy, <laughs> which yeah. I, I might have been known as that a time or two, <laughs> receives disapproval. And so um, I, I have been on this journey because when I was young, I will just tell you that um, I grew up, my dad's a college professor. So I grew up kind of in academia and my parents are believers and I grew up in church and stuff, but I would say that I just loved what my own brain produced. I'm just going to be honest. It was not a pretty thing, but as a girl, I just thought my opinion was just wonderful. And I was, I was willing to share it with you at any given moment. And so I was kind of, I would say probably known when I was in even elementary school, certainly middle school, and leading into high school, I was kind of known as the girl that would debate you down, mm. you know, like, yeah. and so I had very strong opinions. I was very uh, strong in presenting those opinions. And probably some people thought that was great. And other people thought it was really awful. Um, but something happened to me when I was 16 that I would say is miraculous. And that is that Jesus took over my life. I, at 10, I had given my heart to the Lord and was saved at that point, but I was in a very traditional church setting. And so my faith didn't come out of Sundays very much. <laughs> they were kind of limited to one day of the week. But at 16, I stalked a boy to a Bible study, and I always laugh and say, God will get you where he wants you no <laughs> matter what. And so I was obsessed with this boy. I went to the Bible study that he went to. And within months, I had kind of forgotten about the boy, and I was passionately in love with Jesus. It mm -hmm. was the first time I had seen a group of people that Jesus was everything. He was every day of the week to them. He was every moment of the day. They sought his word for what to think. That was completely a new thought to me. I just had loved my own thoughts so much. Um, they, they sought him about what to do next, how to make their lives count. And this was mm -hmm. revolutionary for me. And I fell passionately in love with Jesus and have followed him passionately, but imperfectly ever since. Um, but at that point, God had to do a stripping down of me because I was a girl who loved my own ways and my own thoughts so much. And then God had to show me that really he loved me so much and I was so valuable to him. But my opinion really didn't mean it, it was worth the two cents that I offered it as mm -hmm. and that I needed to learn his ways and his thoughts. So it was a time I needed to be silent. Mm. And I think we all go through that at some point, kind of a stripping of self, a dying to self and, um, and learning to value God's ways and God's thoughts and God's words. And I went through that period and that was a good thing. Mm. But then it was followed by a period that God has showed me was not a good thing where I started to realize that my silence uh, earned approval for me within the church. It made me fit in. Mm. It made me appear godly. Um, and I kind of leaned into that as my perfectionistic self, who was oh. always trying to earn approval. I leaned into that. And so I leaned into be, being silent for the wrong reasons mm. for a period of time. 
And I just believe God's bringing me out of that. And so I'm like, does it have to be one or the other? Which is kind of your question. Yeah. Does it have to be that we're like outspoken and opinionated and really kind of obnoxious or silent? And I don't believe it does have to be one or the other. I believe that we can love God's thoughts and his ways and his words, which tenderizes our hearts. Mm. And then we can move into our world and we can interact um, in this contentious space in winsome ways that draw people to the Lord. And I have to say, it kind of breaks my heart because I do not see Christians uh, behaving that way in my Mm. social media feed right now. Mm. In fact, if I was thinking about being a Christian right now and considering it and watching the Christians, a lot of the Christians in their social media feeds, there would be nothing that would draw me to Jesus right now. And Mm -hmm. I hate to be judgy. That sounds harsh, but I just, I'm saying like, this is a challenge to me too, because I'm passionate and my passion can come out in really obnoxious ways sometimes. And I'm just begging God to teach me. Mm. How do I have both a tender heart and, and also have a strong voice that's winsome? Now, sometimes people aren't going to like it, but it doesn't mean that I'm abrasive and that I'm obnoxious to other people. It's hard. It is hard. <laughs> and you bring up several great things. And I think that even the way you have chosen to string those two concepts together, I think is critical because as you're saying that, I'm, I loved how you said the word of God is the tenderizer, right? No one mm. likes a tough piece of meat that you just can't even hardly get through. You want that tenderizer. And that's what the word of God does. It does make those rough, you know, hard corners of our heart and our mind and our beliefs. And like you said, I love my own thoughts. It tenderizes those places. But as you're saying that, I feel like that's important to happen first if I have a tender heart, then what comes out of my mouth, even if it's done with passion and with strength, it's going to have been bathed, hopefully, first in the word of God, right? And in what he would want. Even Jesus, Amy, had to spend time when he was on this earth every morning or you know, maybe at the end of the day, getting alone with his father and getting his father's thoughts. And that's a theological kind of mind twister, But if Jesus had to think, wait a minute, I'm going to speak only what I hear my father say, then what, what kind of a testament is that to us? Right? What an example to us. Exactly. Oh, and I love that passage because that passage in John, he says, basically, I only do what the father tells me to do. I only say what the father tells me to say. Oh my Mm. gosh. Yeah. Can you imagine how revolutionary it would be to your life and my life and anybody's life if they could honestly say that. Like, I don't open my mouth unless my father tells me to open my mouth. Mm. <laughs> yeah. My family prays for that. And I think of think about Esther as you're saying that because she here she is sitting in the book of Esther across the table from a man that she knows is plotting to take out her entire race. And yet she has the discipline, the self-control, the sensitivity to the timing of God that she was silent for that first banquet and didn't speak up until the time came. I think she's a model example. I don't, Mm. Amy, I'm just being honest. If I knew someone was in across my dinner table 
plotting to take out my family, it would take everything I had to sit on that information. But somehow she knew, and while she waited, God worked in the background. So I think we can speak, we can speak quickly and impulsively, but I wonder when we do, are we somehow interrupting the timeline of God? That if we waited to speak in his timeframe, and his timeline, then he would have already done some of the work for us behind the scenes, right? That is so good. Well, and it kind of brings me to this process I'd love to share that God has given to me. He is taking me through, and I thought it was unique, but now I keep seeing this pattern over and over and over again in scripture, and it's been so instructive for me, and so it's something new I'm teaching, and it's so scary, Angela, to teach it because um, whereas with with the perfectionism thing, I felt like I, I was 10 steps ahead of what I was teaching because God had so worked it into my heart. This is so brand new for me. And, um, and I, I just, I do it with fear and trembling because I know I'm going to make mistakes, you know, publicly <laughs> as I try to walk this out. But, but I think it's so powerful. So the four steps are listen, feel, do, and speak. And speak is last. And I'm like, Jesus, I make speak first all the time. Neat jerk reactions, just off the cuff, you know, whatever comes to mind. And, you know, even I'm getting older and I hear, I've heard older women for years say, well, I just want to, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Or if I'm going to be honest with you, I, those are like red flags for me in my own speech that, that no, 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 no a piece of my mind is not what everybody needs. You know, we need a piece of Jesus's heart in all of this. And so if we're getting that, I can't speak first, I speak last. And so Mm -hmm. listen, we listen to the father, we spend time with him, we study his word, we listen to him, but then we listen to the people around us too. We listen And I always used to think that listening to people and not talking back was agreeing with them. But what God is showing me is, no, it's not. It's just, it's, it's a way to show love to people to really listen. And it's a way to gain understanding, even if you don't agree with them. And so he's teaching me to, to not talk and to listen, just like Mm -hmm. what you pointed out with Esther and, and then to feel and people, you know, Christians are funny about, we're, we're interesting about feelings. Cause I think we kind of go to extremes. Either we're, we're totally following our feelings, which is not scriptural, or we totally suppress our feelings, which is not biblical either. I mean, God has feelings. If you start looking at God has emotions, his are perfect and we express ours imperfectly, but he, he's given them to us as a gift. And what I, what I'm, Um, what God is teaching me is that not to numb out to the world and the pain and the suffering and the needs around us, but to actually ask God, help me engage my emotions in a way that connects me with your heart. Mm. And so then I start listening to the stories. And when you do, even with people you don't agree with, you start to hear the pain and the hurt and lots of times the trauma in their background. And when you feel compassion for them, you've joined your heart to the heart of God. Mm. 
And then the next step is to do. I think the feelings are to compel us into action, right? That we don't right. just listen and, and feel and, and sit at home and do nothing. We do something to help people, to help these people and to enter in with them in the same way that Jesus left heaven and came and entered in to our pain and the pain of our world. And then the last step, is to speak. And by this time, we have the right to speak because we've done something. We're not just sitting back observing. You know, a, a friend of mine posted on Facebook one day. She said, you know, um, when you've posted on Facebook about an issue, you actually still haven't done anything about it. And I know that sounds crazy, but it kind of felt shocking to me. I was like, oh yeah, just because I stated my opinion on Facebook does not mean I have done anything about that issue at all. Mm. Um, and so, but when we, when we finally speak, we have some authority to speak because we've connected with the people that we're doing something for. And so that's a long process. It, it mm. requires patience, just like you said about Esther, that require it required restraint on mm. her part because I'm sure she wanted to yeah yeah you know correct the <laughs> correct it all immediately it required she did something she had the feasts you know it, it required something of her and so it's interesting because um, Lynn and I have looked at Esther as a model of this that she mm. listened that she felt the pain of her people she did something she had the feast and then she spoke out. Mm. And, um, and if you start looking for this, this pattern is all through scripture. And so I was like, Oh, wow. Thanks for giving that to me, Jesus. I needed it first. Now I'm seeing this is, this is how you work. I love that. I absolutely love it. I'll make sure to include those points in the show notes because that is powerful, Amy. And I'm thinking if you reverse it, think about in scripture too, the times that happen in reverse order. Mm. Think about Peter, you know, he cuts off the ear because he's doing right away or he speaks first. Oh God, that'll never be me, Jesus. I'll never do that. You know, he just couldn't quite, now granted that might've been partly his personality where maybe someone like Thomas was more laid back and less likely to speak up. But I think either extreme over speaking or under speaking has its own danger and pitfall. And we can hide behind that. And I think you even mentioned that in, in Breaking Up With Perfect. I, I remember you saying you were coming from one angle and then what some of your people that were reading as a folks group said, yeah, but what about this? Because we only know our own vantage point, right? Our own perspective. And I, I think we can, we can hide behind, well, I'm not going to talk and that's more godly or I am going to speak up and that's more godly. And what you're proposing is there's a process to... When, when do I need to speak? Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said at all? Does it need to be said now? You know, and like you said, you've learned, you've gained the authority to speak. And I'd all, I would also assert there, you've gained the, the, the admiration or someone inviting you in to wanting you to speak into that, that topic rather than just jumping in, speaking in my opinion Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I, I just think so often in scripture, not only is that scene, like you said, a process, but the reverse of it has pretty disastrous consequences over and over again. You know, when, when you flip it, speak and then do, and then you listen at the very end. 
I don't, it's so sad that our culture has gotten to this point, isn't it? That we just somehow have lost the ability to listen, especially to someone else who has a different point of view. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, so two things. Number one, I will give you credit, but I had not thought about the disastrous results of flipping this. But Mm. Peter, I feel like I'm wired very much like Peter. A good friend of mine, Susie Eller, recently said to me that she was noticing a pattern in my life because I, I mean, God wired me like I'm passionate like Peter. Like I, you know, and, and that can be good. It can be really destructive, just like in Peter's life. And she said, Amy, I've noticed that she said it in such a nice way, but she said, you're pat, you lead with your passion. And then when time happens, you're able to, to move in wisdom. Now she said it kindly, but I do read between Mm, the lines there that I, I want to learn how to, to sit with the passion, not lead with the passion and then step into wisdom. So everybody doesn't wow. have to listen to all the passion first. And that was, that was Peter saying recently, my pastor preached on this and I loved that he, this was a quote. I don't know where it came from, but he said, Peter was broadcasting when he should have been tuning in. Mm. And I was like, ouch, like yeah. how many times do I broadcast when I should be tuning in? Mm. So I absolutely love that. And then um, I'm trying to think of the second thing because you ended with something that I was like, oh, oh yeah, sorry, I was just so on a roll. I love no, that. Was so good. Well, let me say something that you just said because you said we should l- sit with our passion instead of lead with it. And I think that is mm. profound because if we go back to even where we first started, this tender heart, strong voices, I think we can mistake as women that somehow if I. I had this passion and I, I, I feel this need to advocate or this, and I want to come back to that in a second with the do part of it. Cause I know mm-hmm. both you and I are advocates and have strong hearts and passions for different continents. So well, let's talk about that in a moment. But what you're advocating is you, it doesn't mean a lack of passion. If you have a tender heart and you sit and wait to speak, it means out of that passion, you're willing to let the passion be, framed with wisdom before you actually, a lot of things have happened in the name of passion and they're not godly things. So passion plus wisdom, you know, is a whole different. So I love the way you said that. Don't just lead with your passion, sit with it. And that's a different way for us as women to say, it doesn't mean that I don't use my voice. It means that when I use my voice, it will be more effective and more laced with wisdom because I've waited on the heart of God before I said it. I think that was profound the way you just framed that, Amy. Well, and it's so funny. I'm glad you pointed it out because it's the first time I've ever said it that way. And I'm like, oh, no, Okay, let me write that down. I will send you the notes. That's so profound. Because I need to, I, I thought I need to sit with the passion instead of lead with my passion because it is a gift that God's given us that we feel passionately about things. You know, Jesus felt passionately about things when he went and turned the tables over in the temple and he did something about it. And we know he was completely perfect, completely righteous. And so there was nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with doing that. Um, but he did it at the right time and it was, you know, we know his timing was perfect. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's so much harder for us, isn't it? Because mm. it is it's so much 
it's a tent it's but it's a temptation it's funny it came out of my mouth it's a temptation to lead with our passion but temptation leads to sin that's true <laughs> that's true and it goes back to what you said that i that i'm elevating my opinion above what might be a godly and maybe there's just a time you don't speak or you just listen and then there's a time to act and i, I want to kind of talk about that for a second i know you've had a passion for india because it, it can be also equally frustrating to have this passion i remember when god deposited a passion in me for africa before i'd ever been and and that's the way he operates a lot right he begins to prepare us for whatever that god assignment is going to be but we can rush that preparation period and just jump right into, oh, he's giving me this passion, but maybe it's the timing right. Have you done your research? Have you, have you thought about how, what that's supposed to look like? Otherwise, we could just be throwing paint on a wall with our passion and we're not zeroed in on the bullseye of where God wants us to, because there's a lot of great causes out there, Amy, right? There's a lot of right. ways we could do and spend our time and our energy. So I know you've seen miraculous things in India and we talk about that a little bit here, but talk about how part of the do for you, I know as being an author, a podcaster, resourcing women with just outstanding biblical resources, but from an actual kind of advocate standpoint, let's talk about what you've done in India, which is, is kind of similar to where my heart has been for Africa. Well, it's funny because I didn't intend to fall in love with India. I actually had a passion in my heart for Africa and I've yet to go to Africa. Isn't that crazy? So I hope God will open that door someday. But um, in the meantime, I had these opportunities to go to India. So I've been to India three times. And the first time I went, I honestly, I came home and was glad to be home. Um, we had gone on kind of a uh, I had a friend that, uh, and a, an associate pastor who was starting a ministry there. So he was looking for ministry partners. So we met with a lot of pastors. We did prayer walking, which I'm a doer. And so prayer walking is like, you know, initially the way I process is like, I could have done this in the United States. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know those people who are prayer warriors and intercessors are cringing at that. I have learned better now, I promise. Uh, but that, so that first trip, I didn't feel like I connected at all. Um, but I went a second time and that time was engaged doing women's conferences with the church my friend had connected with there that was, is, you know, run by an Indian couple. It was so powerful, Angel. It was so life-changing. And we, we saw miracles happen there. You know, prayers are answered. I don't know what it is. And maybe I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, what it is about some of these nations where God is showing up in miraculous ways. And I, and I think, why don't we see it him that way in the United States sometimes? Um, and I know he works miracles here too, but it's just not, it doesn't, it's not as visible as it is uh, in India. And I just think, I think God is in this, this phase in India where he is just so happy showing himself to anyone who will seek him there. And so just to see the answers to prayers, you know, a prayer coming out of a Hindu woman's mouth or a Muslim woman's mouth and watching God do the miraculous in healings. And um, I've heard lots of um, miraculous stories about women who had previously been infertile and turned to Jesus and, and they are, they're able to have children 
And then the last time I went with Mission India, which is an organization that I've come to be passionate about. They are doing incredible work. And um, in Mission India, we went and visited literacy classes. And these classes uh, teach people how to read and do basic math and, and start a little business. And they're helping bringing people out of poverty. But from the very first day, they have scripture every day. And it's, it's introduced as wise sayings and they're proverbs. Hmm. And so they just introduce the wisdom of God into these people's lives day by day. And then they introduce them to Jesus. But in the second week, which is fascinating to me. So these, these people haven't even converted yet. And so in the second week, they, um, they tell them, pray and ask God for what you need. He wants to show you he loves you. Hmm. It's simple, simple, simple. And these people pray and they have dire needs. Hmm. They're living in such poverty, dire needs. And to hear story after story after story of how God answered those prayers in completely supernatural ways and he showed himself to them and then they believed and it was like wow why can't i do that i mean that was a lesson i brought back from india to the united states like i don't i don't have to go through this four spiritual laws i mean eventually you know you might but all i have to do is say tell me how i can pray for you we're going to believe that god's going to show up in your life Mm. and then we just let god be god and show them exactly who he is. And then they'll believe. I mean, wow. Could evangelism be that simple? <laughs> I think it is when the heart is like you, you mentioned a couple key things. You said they're, they're in dire situations and mm-hmm. not everyone in India is not everyone in Africa is, but there is a desperation. I think in other countries that is not necessarily as evident in the United States where we have so much, we are a very blessed nation. And yet then I, I, I think we default to crutches on a whole lot of things before we really want to be, like you said, stripped down earlier in this conversation to God, if there's nothing but you, are you enough? You know, and to lean, to, to really just lean in like some of them do with childlike faith to say, okay, Jesus said this. And I believe now sometimes they have to really be taught then that it's not Jesus plus Hinduism or Jesus oh, plus, yes. you know, fetishes in Africa or other idols, which we saw in the Bible. Remember Rebecca, I think she brought her <laughs> idols and she was like, can I have Jehovah in just in case I'm going to keep these other things. And we, we might be foreign to the idea of a, of a God made out of wood or stone, but we make God's little G out of, like you said, our own thoughts out of monetary gain, out of, out of intellect, out of uh, uh, whatever our sources of stability and security are. And Mm -hmm. I think it challenges us as a, as an, as Americans, as Western thinkers to realize that, that when Jesus is all you have, then Jesus is really all that you need. And I don't know that we can understand the level of desperation that some of these other countries, it's almost a gift in a way that they've been given to experience the supernatural, I don't know, discovery of Jesus in that way that we may never 100% understand, but we can still embrace the same God that they are encountering. And 
And I also love that you're speaking there. Maybe there's women listening or even men that have never been to Africa, they've never been to India. You don't have to do that to be used by God in powerful ways. It's just right. like you said, walking through those four steps, listen to a neighbor, listen to a child, listen to a spouse, uh, you know, wherever God plants you to say, God, what, what is your call on my life and how can that I walk that out in a way that connects with your heart? like you said earlier, and that's going to look different to each one of us. The way you're connecting to God's heart is going to be fleshed out in a a unique fingerprint on his life than my life, which removes this need to compete, right? As women, which can also go back to our struggle to have tender hearts and strong voices if we're, if we're competing. Well, in second Corinthians, Paul talks about, he's, he's, he says, he's talking about the things he will boast in. And um, it was really neat because I did a word study at one point and boast in actually is almost like a worship word. It's, it's, it, these are the things I rejoice in. So he, it's not boasting in the way that sometimes we humans boast about ourselves. He was boasting about God's work and he was boasting about um, the work that had been done in the church at Corinth. And he says, basically, I'm, I'm glad I want to boast in the fact that I have done the work that God's given me within these boundaries. This is the Amy rendition of that. <laughs> and, and I loved that because I was like, wow, even Paul had boundaries. You mm-hmm. know, each of us had given, been given a piece of the kingdom. And um, instead of wanting somebody else's piece or looking over at her piece or, 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 or even stepping into her piece, what if I just stood in my boundary lines that God has given me that he says, I think in Psalms that they fall in pleasant places. And he gives, if I stay in those boundary lines and I actually work within, in what God has given me instead of looking at somebody else, how powerful will that be when all the pieces of the puzzle are joined together? Well, I could talk to you for hours, Amy, as you can tell listeners, she is full of rich insights and we've just scratched the surface. Breaking Up With Perfect is your first resource. Mm -hmm. Exhale is your second, your podcast. And I know they could probably find all of that on your website. So before you pray over us, can you just let people know the best way just to connect with you? And if they want to hear you, you know, bring you to speak, what's the best way they can reach out to you? If you'll just go to amycarroll.org, you can find all that information. And I would love to connect with some of your listeners, both of us. (laughs) Thank you, Amy, for all that you've shared. I just feel richer because of my time with you today. And it was an encouragement to me, a blessing to me. You have been for so many years, but thank you for just what you've deposited in us today. But I just want to invite you to pray over our listeners. You've said some things that they really desperately needed to hear. So thank you so much for that. If there's anything else you want to say, and then I just want to invite you to pray for us. I would love to just pray. And thank you for that encouragement. It has been amazing to be with you as always. Thank you, Amy. Lord Jesus, we just come to you as your daughters around your throne, Lord. We thank you that you've made a way for us through your son, Jesus, to come with boldness into your grace, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for healing right now. Lord, I pray for healing for the woman who has stayed silenced because she's been belittled. 
because she didn't, um, her voice didn't necessarily fit the way that people thought around, around her thought it should fit into the, the culture she was in, her church culture, her community culture, Lord. I pray for healing on that wound. And Lord, I pray for healing for the woman who's brought it on herself like I have many times by being too outspoken and too brash and putting her opinions forward in ways that aren't um, healthy or winsome, Lord. And so we are silenced because of shame, Lord. I pray for healing there and for release from shame. God, we thank you that your love covers all our sins, Lord, when we come to you. And so, Lord, would you develop tender hearts in us as we listen to you, as we seek your word above and your ways above our own, Lord. As we listen to the stories of the people around us, help us to feel compassion, even when we don't agree. Help us to connect and understand, Lord, and in ways that connect us to your heart. And then, Lord, help us to move forward into action. God, our, our culture, our country has so many um, issues and wounds and hurts, Lord. Racism and gender bias and um, just divisions in political parties and all of it, Lord. And God, you care about all of it. And you've sent us as your people to be salt and light, to be a city on a hill, to show people who you are and your solutions, Lord. And then once we've been active, Lord, help us to open our mouths in ways that display your heart, your desire for the people around us, Lord. Help us to advocate for those who have no voice. Help us to speak scriptural truths into divisions, Lord, that create unity. Lord, lead us and guide us. We want to be used by you. We want to have lives that count. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected. So be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at AngelaDenadioBOV and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.